Well, good morning. Hey, last week we kicked off a brand new four-part series of messages on Jonah, and we quickly learned that uh, as all we grew up maybe in Sunday school or church, and you saw the little cute story of Jonah and the whale, that that's really not quite accurate. I'm not saying they lied to you, I'm just saying there's a lot more to the book of Jonah. And we learned last week that there's a lot of Jonah, or much of Jonah in all of us. We all have some Jonah in us. Let me give you a little review in case you missed out, because you missed out on a lot. But in Jonah chapter 1, the scripture started out and said, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and asked, and God said to him, Jonah, I want you to go to this great city of Nineveh, and I want you to preach against it, because it's a very wicked, wicked place, and I want them to change. And we talked about the fact that Nineveh was very, very wicked. If you weren't here, I went into great detail, more than you could ever imagine of how evil and mean these people were. And Nineveh was the capital city of a Syrian empire, and these people, what they would do and how they would treat their enemies was just horrendous. The torture that they would put them through. If you missed out, you can pick up a CD copy to our What's Happening Center in the lobby today, or you can download it for free on our website. But God said to Jonah, his prophet, go to Nineveh, right? Go east and preach to these Ninevites. And Jonah basically, he just said no. And he went west. He went the exact opposite way. And he got on a boat and he headed about 2,500 miles away to a place called Tarshish. And God just uh, thought that this was way too important to let it go. And so he chased Jonah down and he sent a storm. And it affected the boat that Jonah was on and the storm was so big that the sailors were even freaked out. And they finally catch on and they're like, Jonah, maybe if you pray, right, you're a prophet, if you call on your God, maybe he will save us because we're on the same ship that you're on. And at that point, Jonah was running from God and so he was a prayer-less prophet. He wasn't communicating with God because he knew what God wanted to do and he didn't want to do it. And finally, he tells the truth, and he said, yeah, it's me. I'm running from God. Reminds me of a story of a church in a small town. The church got really upset. The pastor got really upset because there was a bar that had been planted just a mile or two down the road from this small little church. And they were worried about the type of people that were going to come to this bar. And so the pastor went to his church and he said, we need to pray that uh, they'll go out of business. And so he began to ask all his people to pray that this bar would go out of business. And every time they'd gather, they'd pray for this bar that they would go out of business, that it was going to corrupt their city. One night during a storm, the bar was hit by lightning. It burnt to the ground. The bar owner came, found his building burnt to the ground and got really upset. And he decided he was going to sue the church because he knew that they were praying for this, church, for this bar to be closed down. And the judge who listened to their testimonies, he heard the bar owner get up and say, it's the pastor's fault and it's his church's fault. These people were praying and they were asking God to shut my bar down. And so God struck my bar with lightning. 
And the pastor said, oh, no, 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 no. Those were just harmless prayers. I mean, we were just having our little church meeting. We were just praying. We had no idea that God was going to do that. And the judge listened on and said, this is very interesting testimony. Here we have a bar owner that believes in the power of prayer more than a church pastor does. <laughs> Jonah was a prophet of God. We learned last week we all have a little bit of Jonah in us. Many of us, all, probably most everyone in this room would claim to know God and to have a relationship with him. Say, oh, I love God. I believe in God. I pray to God. Really? Do we really? Jonah's running from God. He's no longer in the mood to pray because God was asking him to do something he didn't want to do. And so Jonah went the opposite way. And meanwhile, the storm rages and the sailors come in and say, hey, what's up? And Jonah says, I admit it. It's my fault. I'm running from God. He tells them to throw me overboard and the storm will calm. And the sailors said, no, we don't want to do that because they kind of liked him. And who wants to be responsible for throwing someone out in the middle of the ocean and them dying? And so they didn't want to do it. And finally, the storm got so bad, they finally listened to Jonah and they did. They threw him overboard. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And Jonah didn't know what was going to happen. And a big fish, not a whale like I learned to believe because the Bible doesn't say it was a whale, but it was a big fish. And it's got to be a big stinking fish to eat a full man. And not only to eat him, he just swallowed him up and he's living in the belly of the whale. It's not a whale, it's a big fish. That's where we left off the story last week. So if you would take out your message outlines today, we're going to pick up the story in Jonah chapter two. Jonah's just been thrown out. A big fish comes along and swallows him up. He's living inside of this big fish for three days and for three nights. And this prophet, this man of God, this follower of God that was running from God, wanted nothing to do with God because God wanted to do something he didn't want to do. He hasn't prayed. He's not communicating with God. And all of a sudden... In the belly of this big fish, out in the middle of the ocean, guess what Jonah decides to do? What many of us do when things get tough. We've been doing things our way, and all of a sudden, our way ain't working, and we're in a t between a rock and a hard spot. We pray. Some people call this the Psalm of Jonah, chapter 2 of Jonah. But he prays. And I want to tell you that this prayer that he, we record here, it's just a snapshot prayer. He had three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Let me tell you, he probably did a lot of praying. His praying was probably like your prayers and mine when we really get in a tight spot. You know what my guess his prayer was for the first quite a few hours? Help! Right? Get me out of here. It stinks in here. It's wet in here. There's stuff digesting in this fish's belly. Then I'd be thinking about everything else that's in his belly. What happens? What goes in has to come out. Like, what's that going to be? I'm alive. And we just, I mean, this is real stuff, right? Get me out of here. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And even if I get out of here, I'm in the middle of the ocean. I'm going to die, right? I guarantee he was not, I, I, I don't know what you pictured as a kid, but I pictured like, you know, he's sitting there in a nice chair or whatever, and he's got a flashlight. And he's got a pen and paper and he's writing down his prayers. Meanwhile, the, f 
This big fish is swimming, right? And he's going, oh, come on, could you stop? I'm trying to write here, right? And he, the whale didn't speak English. He didn't, couldn't understand each other. I've watched way too much Nemo with my grandkids or whatever, you know? We got these ideas. But he's in this dark, smelly place. He has no idea if he's ever going to get out. He's probably sure. And he starts to pray. The same prophet that had neglected God, that ran the opposite way from God, that decided he was going to do what he wanted to do and not do what God wanted to do, even though he said, I'm a follower of God, he wasn't following. And now God's got his attention again. That's Jonah chapter 2. And he writes this very poetic, beautiful portion of scripture where he prays and he learns what God is capable of. And all this happens inside the belly of this big fish. Let's look at verse one, chapter two. From inside the fish, Jonah finally prayed to the Lord his God. <laughs> you finally have my attention, God. I've been running. I was trying to get 2,500 miles away from you, the exact opposite direction, but you got my attention now. Can I tell you, some of you sitting right here today, Today's going to be your day where God gets your attention and your prayer life is about to reemerge. Maybe you've been mad. Maybe you've been disobedient. Maybe you've just been doing your own thing and it was working, but it's not working. And you realize now it's not working. In my distress, Jonah says, would you circle that? In my distress? In my distress, I did what? Jonah said, in my distress, I called on the Lord. And I want you to notice what the Lord did when Jonah in his distress. He'd been running, running, running. But the moment he decided to quit running, even I don't, we can look at the circumstance that he didn't have any choice. He did have a choice. And here's what he decides to do. He said, in my distress, I called on the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord answered me. The Lord answered me. Can you, I want you to even begin to grasp what it means for you and I that have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, to be able to call any time of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where we are, that we can call on the God of this universe, the God that hung the moon and the stars. I have the ability at any point, wherever I am, inside my own heart and soul to say God, and he will, his ears are open. The God that created the heavens and the earth. The God that put the galaxies and all the stars in place. The God that's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Supreme Judge, the Holy One, the One who is all-knowing. The God that created me, that loves me more than I love me. I can call on him anytime, anywhere, and he'll answer me. The God that Jonah basically said, forget you. I'll do my own thing. I'm going my own way. He calls on from the belly of this fish and God answers him. Don't ever forget when you call on God, he'll answer you. And here's what's amazing to me. With all that I've just said, you ever been in a bad spot or known someone that's in a really, really bad spot? Like they got some really, really bad news or something really, really, really bad happened to them or really, really bad happened to someone they love or someone you love? And you've tried everything you know how to do. 
and you finally just say, that's it. All we can do now is pray. Does that even make sense? That I have the ability and you have the ability to go to a God that knows us better than we know ourselves, that knows what's gonna happen tomorrow, which we have no idea about, that never gives bad advice, that never will lead us in the wrong direction, that has our best interest in mind every single time, that is all knowing and all powerful and we think he's our last resort? (laughs) Don't you think God's just up there sometimes? I just picture him going, oh, Scott. You, you've been trying to do all you can do and now you've just, you've basically said all I can do now is pray and trust you, God. That's it, I've done all I know how to do. It's up to you now. <laughs> we can go boldly, the Bible says, before the throne of grace. I have the ability to step into his presence anytime I choose to do it. And the Bible says, in our time of need, I can do that. We can call on God and he'll answer us. Now, being as we're on this subject, (laughs) let me tell you something else that blows my mind. Some people, even some churched people, that would claim to know God and say that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, I've heard people right in this community that are going through a hard time have another person say to them I'll be thinking about you does that make you feel good I'll be thinking about you you ever heard this I'm sending good vibes your way Ooh, thank you. (laughs) We have a God that's all-knowing, a God that's all-powerful, a God that spoke and put the mountains and the stars in place, and I'm gonna tell you I'm thinking about you. I'll send good vibes your way. Are you kidding me? Can I ask you to do me a favor? If I'm ever going through a really bad time or my wife is going through a bad time or our family's going through a bad time, will you do me a favor and promise me you'll never just think about us or send good vibes our way? I'm gonna ask you to pray for us. Pray to this God that is all-knowing and all-powerful. Don't send me good vibes and don't just think of me. Are you kidding me? Jonas is in my my distress. The word distress in the Hebrew, it's a word, it's not on your notes. You might write it down. It's T-S-A-R-A-H. If the C was silent, it'd be Sarah. It's to Sarah. I don't care how you want to pronounce it, but to Sarah. This is in his distress. To Sarah. You know what that means? It's a word that we would use today to describe a woman giving birth. The travail, the the pain of, of a woman giving birth to a child. That's the translation. That's the distress in his labor. He's, I think it's kind of funny. He's in the belly of a whale and he's using a word about his distress that pictures childbirth. A woman going through the pain of delivery. 
He's saying, that's where I'm at. I'm in that position. I've run from God. I'm in a hopeless situation. It's painful. I'm in distress. And in that tassara, I call on God and God answers me. Look at the next part of that verse. He said, from the depths of the what? From deep in the realm of the dead. He, he said, I'm pick, he, I'm, he's thinking that's his grave. Let's just be honest. That I call out to God and he listens to my cry. I'm not a big fan of the King James Bible because we can't really read it because we don't speak that language. But I love it in this and it talks from the depths of Sheol. Shale. It says Sheol, if you're pronouncing it hooked on phonics, but it's Shale. He's basically said, I'm calling out from hell. This place of distress, this is like my hell. I called on God in my hell and he answered me. Some of you can relate. Jonah was saying, from the place that I have been the furthest I've ever been from God, from the place where I was miserable, a place where, listen, I was in a position I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't contribute. I was desperate. There was no hope for me. I had no ability to change my circumstances. I'm literally in shale. I'm in hell. I feel like it, and I called on God. The reason this is going to speak to many of you today is because someone, some, listen, some of you here, if the truth were known, as far as you're concerned, your circumstances, your situation right now, you feel like you're going through hell the best you can describe it. You, you might give the appearance to everybody on the outside that you got it all together, but inside you're a wreck because your circumstances, your family, you personally, someone you love is in a situation and have circumstances going on and you are scared to death and you are angry and you're depressed and you're you don't even know what to do. You're overwhelmed. That's Jonah. That's where he's at. He's, and he calls out to God. And this blows me away, but God answers him. You see, a lot of us think that if we're running from God and we're doing the wrong thing, God's going to be mad at us. If we call on God, he's not even going to listen. Well, you can, that debunks that, right? When I needed him most, Jonah said, when I was the most desperate, I called on God and he was there. Folks, listen, if you miss everything else that I say today, don't you dare miss this. Don't you ever let anybody try to convince you that on your best day or your worst day, if you call on God, that he's going to ignore you because he will not. That's rich stuff, folks. If we put verse one and verse two together as the Hebrew language would have it, you've got to get a picture that excites me. It really, this, this is mind-boggling. This tassara, right? This agony of childbirth thing going on. That paints a picture for me. It just creates a picture. Basically what he was saying is, is I was as good as dead. And God in his mercy gave me the opportunity for another day, a new hope, a do-over, a second chance. I was as good as dead. I was completely hopeless. I, I could not do anything to change my circumstances. I was without hope. 
and God offers me something I didn't deserve. And he loves me even though I've rebelled against him and even though I've run the opposite way and I've went a long journey away and I've went through many things to get this far away from God because I didn't like what he wanted me to do and so I decided to do my own thing. And in his pain, he finds that God offers him hope. Some of you need to realize that your story's not finished yet. You think you blew it. You think where you're at right now, there's no coming back from. God is still in charge. Think about this. When the sailors threw him overboard, right? God could have said, poof. Throw him a board that floats. See how he does on that. Jonah could have grabbed, he would have grabbed onto that board, right? If you're out in the middle of the ocean, somebody throws you a board that floats, you're grabbing it. Can we just agree to that? God could have done that, but he didn't. I thought all the different things, God has created all the animals. Why, why big fish? God could have had one of them big old sea turtles pop his head up and Jonah could have crawled on the back of this sea turtle. That sea turtle could have swam him into the shore, but he didn't do that. He could even have the turtle speak. Hey, Jonah, jump on my back, buddy. We'll go. <laughs> and get a suntan on your way to the shore. God didn't do that. God could have sent a mermaid. Hey, buddy, what you doing out here? Come on. God didn't. Didn't do any of those things. You find it a little ironic that God uses a person's story that's running away from God to kind of give us an idea of what's coming later with Jesus three days and three nights in hell. God did a miracle. It wasn't an accident that that big fish was there and that big fish was hungry and that big fish opened his mouth and that big fish didn't eat him. He just swallowed him up. Can we just agree God was actively working? even in a person's life that was running from God, even though Jonah was in a, pace, a place of tremendous pain? Watch the different phases as we look back just the first chapter and up to here. Watch God's work go. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against these people. Jonah says no, he goes the opposite way. That was phase one. He gets on a boat headed for Tarshish, 2,500 miles away. God says, whoa, 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 I still want you to do what I want you to do. I'm gonna send a big storm. Phase two, storm comes up. Scares the sailors so bad, they're like, we gotta do something. They start trying to do it their way. They're throwing stuff off the boat to try to lighten it, and that doesn't work. And finally, Jonah admits what he's done, right? Sailors still don't wanna throw him overboard. They try to do it their way, that's phase three. Then they decide, okay, we gotta to listen to this dude. We're gonna to have to realize that he's the problem and they throw him overboard. There's phase four. Phase five, here comes the fish. Swallows him up, three days, three nights. Jonah's praying, calling out to God. God answers him and then the next phase, phase six. The big fish. Jonah didn't settle well in the fish's belly. And the fish goes, 
and throws him up on shore. Pukes him out. A lot of times, you know what we do? We say to God, when God says, I want you to do this and do that, we don't even realize it's for our benefit that he loves us. We say, I gotta hear your word. I, I heard that, but I got my own idea. I wanna do it my way. We go our way. We make our own choices. We do life our way until life our way doesn't work very well. And then we get so in a difficult spot running from God. And then we think God's mad at us and he's gonna zap us. You and I don't know what phase we're in. God might have you or I in a 10 phased healing process because the only way we're going to get where God really wants us to go and do life the way God really wants us to do life so he can use us in a way that will bring honor and glory to him and get us to a better place than we had ever got on our own is that some of us are hard-headed enough we need like a 10-phase project and some of you are only on phase like nine or eight or seven and you might be at phase four going, God, where's phase 10? Like, I want out. I want this over with. God, where are you at? And I don't even see you working. And God, we're doing this and we're doing that. And God, we don't know if we can go another day. God's still working. God is at work. Jonah didn't even know God was working. Jonah say, man, what a crazy ride this is be. And God's got a plan. Sometimes people ask me about crossroads and they'll say, hey, when you, you and your wife started this church 32 years ago, did you have any idea that God was gonna create a church like you guys have today? <laughs> I say, no, are you kidding me? No way, we were just hoping somebody would show up. Phase one, we just showed up. Phase two, we showed up. Phase three, two or three other people showed up. Phase four, 10 people showed up. 15 people showed up. 20 people showed up. 10 people showed back up. Just we thought things were going good. We got kicked out of a school in Hudson. We moved Adrian. We outgrew a spot here. We moved, we moved, we moved. We got kicked out. Listen, here we are, phase 2,432. <laughs> I say all that to say God teaches us. He leads us. He redirects us. He guides us. He heals us. He corrects us. He convicts us until he leads us to his ultimate will. Don't ever forget to embrace and celebrate the works of God as he leads you to a place that you might not even know where you're going to end up. That's Jonah's story. That's your story. None of us want to go through the pain of childbirth. 
But if it's a part of the process to bring honor and glory to God, that he's saying, listen, don't you give up now. Don't you quit now. I'm at work. You might feel more disconnected from God than you've ever felt. Today could be a day, a wake-up call, a new phase is going to begin. So Jonah's in the fish. God's got his attention. Look at verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Jonah says, oh God, you hurled me into the depths. Isn't it interesting now that he's starting to understand that God's got something to be a part of this? Technically, who threw him in the depths of the ocean? The sailors did. God didn't pick him up and throw him. God used the sailors. But Jonah recognizes that God is behind everything somehow. Even if he's not physically behind it, he's allowed it. He knows what's going on. He's still got a plan. It didn't upset his deal. He said, you hurled me into the deep, into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. Can you imagine being tossed and turned in the middle of the ocean, and he didn't know a fish was coming? He's just seeing the ship sail further and further away. All the waves, the breakers, it's sweeping over him, tossing him and turning him. Look at verse four. I've been banished from your sight. That's how he feels. Yet I will look again towards your temple. Verse five, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. Almost sounds like an episode of Man versus Wild, doesn't it? This dude's in big trouble. Verse six, to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath me bared me in forever. In other words, I, I gave up hope. I I'm about to drown here. There's no physical hope for me. I don't see a way out. The game is over. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I'm a dead man. And I chose it by running from God. And then Jonah says, then Jonah says, But you, Lord, my God, but you, but you, God, brought me life up from the pit, the pit of hell, this place where I thought I was dead. But you did it, God. You did it. But you, would you circle but you? Everything up to this point was about Jonah going down. He went down to Joppa. He went west instead of east. He went down, he went down. He, he went down in the water. He went down in the depths. He went down into the belly of the whale. And this is the first time we see that the Lord brings him back up. But you, O oh Lord, brought me up from the pit. Some of you right now feel down in the depths. Everything in your life you feel like is going downward. Don't you ever forget the but God moments. My life was spiraling out of control, but God intervened. My marriage was in trouble. We thought it was over, but God changed our hearts. The doctor gave us bad news, but God had a different plan. Don't you forget the but God moments. Remember, all things are possible with our God. When Jonah was at a point where every physical thing seemed to be against him, that no one would have given him any chance of survival. He was in a hopeless situation. But God, the God of this universe, when Jonah called out to him, he answered him. And he delivered me up from the pit, Jonah says. 
Look at verse seven. Jonah goes on, when my life was ebbing away, what did he do? I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer did what? It rose to you, to your holy temple. You heard me. I didn't even know if you'd hear me, God, if you'd turned your hearing aids off. But he remembered God. Some of you today, you're going to remember God. You're going to remember God in a way that you haven't thought about him in a long time. You're going to realize, listen, you don't have to do it all your way. And you're not hopeless. You've got a connection to the creator. You've put him on the back burner. You've been trying to do it your way. And you're going to realize today, you know what? No wonder things aren't going so well. Yeah, I'm in a bad spot, but I'm in a terribly good spot because I can call on God and he'll answer me. I can forget. There's a but God moment here. I don't even know what the but God is, but God. I believe in your power more than mine. Jonah like almost comes to his senses. When my life was ebbing away, he says, I remembered God. <laughs> It'd be like, you, I mean, in a, in a crazy way, this doesn't even compare, but you can relate because we all relate to money. It'd be like you saying, I broke, I don't even know if we're going to be able to eat tomorrow. And you dig through some pants and you find $200 bills. You're like, yes! This is way better. I remembered God. I thought it was all up to me. It's not all up to me. I've got God. Whatever you do, call on him, remember him. Don't run from him. Why would you run from your greatest hope? The one that loves you more than you love you. The one that knows more than you'll ever know. The one that speaks and created stars and moons and mountains and fish that can listen to a God that created them. We're not without hope. Are you kidding me? We got all the hope in the world because our hope is in him, not in us. I can tell you're real excited. Look at verse eight. Those who cling to worthless idols, what do they do? They turn away from God's love for them. The word in the Hebrew language is the word hesed. That love is, is grace. It's unmerited favor. It's hesed. Those who turn to idols miss out on God's perfect love, his, his perfect grace. They're missing the greatest thing that they can have when they cling to worthless idols, when we put our hope in things that won't deliver, we're missing out on God's perfect love, not because his love's not available, because we're worrying about the idols. In other words, I hear you, God, but I really don't care what you're saying. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. You just do you, boo. I don't know about you, but I don't really like to be thought of as a person that worships idols. But in reality, most of us do. Many of us worship the idol of self. You ever heard anybody say, I don't rely on anybody else? I'm 
I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. If you trust in you more than you trust in God, you're worshiping an idol, a false idol, if I can just tell you that. Some of us worship the, the idol of materialism. If the truth were known, everything we focus on is about getting more and getting something newer and something more shiny, something that'll make us happy for a small amount of time. The adrenaline that we get when we buy something else, we just keep chasing that idol over and over and over and over and over, but we never really, it never really promises or get, delivers what it promises. And we're pursuing things or reputation or a title more than we are pursuing God. Now, if the truth were known, any of those things we would look at and say, well, that's a foolish trade. Some of us are gonna recognize today that what we've been chasing is a foolish trade. You're missing out on the, heart of God. You're missing out on God's grace because we're chasing a phony imitation. That's what Jonah's coming to realize. Look at verse nine, the middle of the verse. He says, what I have vowed, what I have vowed, I will make good. What did he vow? We really don't know. Probably what he vowed was, God, is if you'll just speak to me, if you'll just speak like I'll go to Nineveh, like, God, if you just show up, I'll make good on what I should have done. Some of you today, you've made vows to God that you haven't come through on. Today, you're going to make good on, you're going to say, holy cow, why would I sell out for what I've been selling out for when I, I want to honor God. What I vowed, God, I'm going to make good. And remember, Jonah was in this fish. Nothing he could do to contribute to getting himself to safety. He felt like he was in the depths of hell and that there was no hope for rescue. He couldn't go to the temple and give more money. He couldn't do any good works inside the fish. He couldn't help any of the poor couldn't contribute to a church's building campaign. All he could do was remember. All he could do was remember. And here's what he remembers. Therefore, salvation comes from the Lord. I can't do anything for myself. God, it's all about you, period. It's not from me. It's not from my works. It's not from me doing good things and not doing bad things. It's by grace. It's by God's grace that I can be saved. Salvation comes from the Lord only. Folks, when we realize that, when you realize that it costs God his son for you to be a recipient of the gift of grace, that it came through his son's shed blood, that's when you recognize that is not good news, that is great news. Because there was no hope for me. There's no hope. That's when you just say, here's my life, God, take it. 
Not like we're giving up, but like we're saying, what a great decision. What if I just trusted everything in my life to the one that cares more about me than I care about me, that never leads me astray? What if I just committed my life to you? Don't you know Jonah had an aha moment? And then look at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish. I don't know how he spoke to the fish, but the fish listened and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It's kind of disgusting if you ask me. How many of you know that when Jonah was vomited out of the fish's stomach, Jonah's not the only thing that came out of the fish's stomach? <laughs> you imagine that? Ugh. I don't think he were, because he was like, are you kidding me? It's powerful. It's powerful. Here's your fill-in. Whether I'm on the top of the world or I'm in the depths of shale, when I call on him, he will answer me. <laughs> That's how amazing our God is. When you call on him from the depths or from the heights, he'll answer. That's great news. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you because... <laughs> You're amazing. We approach your throne because you give us the privilege to do so. If you're here today and you can just relate to what's going on, just in your own way, just kind of make your seat an altar right now. And I want you to think about how amazing God is. I want you to think about you and how frail you are, the needs that you have, the pain that you're in the decisions that you've made maybe to run from God or to do your best to walk with him. I want you to think beyond your own world, though. I want you to think about your kids, your grandkids, your parents, your neighbors, your friends, the people that you work with. I want you to think about the people in foreign countries today that are fighting poverty and they don't even have food today. The people that are dying from disease. The ones that are born with disease. I want you to think about victims of abuse. And I want you to ask, do I have something to take before God in prayer? <laughs> we all absolutely do. Make it an altar right where you're seated. Say, God, we remember you. I remember you. I rem be reminded that all things are possible with you, God. And God is the pastor of this flock. I pray for every person here. I pray for those especially that are in a deep pit. They feel like they're in a personal hell. I pray for deliverance. God, I pray for direction. I pray for them just to look up and to call on you. Not knowing if they're in phase four or five or 200. Not knowing how many phases there are. Those of us that have turned to idols, God, we don't even know it. turn to you. With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, can I just tell you, salvation comes from the Lord, period. 
You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. If you're on some kind of religious point system thinking you hope one day you make it, listen, you can't make it without Jesus. It's not based on you. It's based on him. Have you ever received him as Lord and Savior? You say, I don't know. Have you ever with your own mouth confessed that you're a sinner, that you've been running from God? and invited him in to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you of all your sins and to make you brand new from the inside out? If the answer is no, today's your day. Right where you're seated, make this your prayer, your heartfelt confession to God. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you because you're it. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, save me, make me new. I believe you died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Change my life from the inside out. And from this day forward, I'll follow you. Because you're God. You're amazing. And I love you in Jesus' name. Amen.